This is a Bulldog Radio podcast. Welcome, everybody, another episode here on the MBSP. Brandon Wirth alongside my partner, Joe Nagy, here. What's up, everybody? It is a great day to be outside. Guess what, Joe? It's a beautiful day. I'm wearing shorts. Dude, I'm not I getting didn't judged. Wear, I didn't wear shorts today because it was actually warm out for once, so I didn't wear it, but... Is that like a... That's ironic. Yeah. That whole statement was ironic. Yeah, because I'm wearing pants because it's warm out. Yeah. I didn't wear shorts. When I wore shorts, then it was cold out the other day. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, but what we got on the what do we got on the docket for the show today, Brandon? Oh, we got a lot on the docket today. Paige Kors from Fair State Softball will be joining us for an exclusive interview, as well as the Fair State Sports Report, and we'll recap what happened in the Frozen Four and how Scotty Scheffler ran hey. away with the Masters. All that and more. But first, let's swing it to the interview. <laughs> Now joined in studio with Fair State senior softball player Paige Kortz is joining us. Welcome, Paige. Hi, guys. So, Paige, you're nearing the end of your college career. What's been kind of the experience of both college ball as well as going all the way back to high school a few years ago? Like, what's one's more favorite? Kind of what are the similarities you were able to, like, kind of take from both of them as well as, like, the differences? So, in high school, I grew up playing softball with the girls. Uh, some of them I played with since 9U. Yeah. So multiple years. Um, so you kind of grow up with them. You kind of establish yourself as a softball player alongside your girls. Um, in college, you're kind of thrown into a mix of a bunch of girls with different skills, with different um, kind of philosophies. Yeah. Um, so mixing with them. But in college, you do learn each other super well, super quick since you're living with with each other in the dorms, um, bus trips, practices every day. So just overall, I prefer college just because everyone is there, like everyone's in it to win it versus high school. There's some of the people that are parents kind of influence them to play sports. So in college ball, everyone wants to be there. Everyone is giving 110%, 100% of the time. For sure. Yeah, it's definitely the competition levels top tier, and you expect nothing less than college. But Paige, you've had a a great career here for sure. I'm um, coming from Brooklyn, Michigan, where you had a, a standout in softball. I also heard that you played volleyball and bowling. We'll talk about through the solo sports and what made you choose those in high school. So I started volleyball in about sixth grade, and I did that just to be with the girls that I was friends with, and I actually enjoyed volleyball a lot, and people actually thought I was going to college to play volleyball. Um, But the one thing that I like to brag about is that I was a bowler in high school. So bowling was really big in my family. My dad bowled ever since he was young, Um, and people don't really understand how competitive bowling can be. And when people ask me what was my most competitive sports moment I always say like the state championship of my senior year of high school because in the individual tournament you bowl six to eight uh qualifying games and then it's a bracket play of two games per match yeah and so my senior year I was actually the state runner-up um and uh I ended up bowling like 16 games and my thumb was about to like fall off and so every time when people ask me about bowling, I try to explain, like, I walk into, like, bowling matches with six balls because each wow. one has a different core on the inside that yeah. makes the ball grab the lane a bit different. And every time you go to a tournament, 
there's this different oil pattern that's laid down, which kind of determines how your ball is going to roll. Mm -hmm. So yeah, there's like weights in it that are kind of offset a little bit, right? That yes. Kind of I love bowling. And I feel like it's one of the sports that you can kind of take on your entire life. It's yeah. not like softball where you have a certain amount of years and then you're done. You can always go to the bowling alley and bowl. So yeah, yeah. that's really cool. Have you ever pulled a perfect game? I have not. My dad and my oh. twin brother have. I think my highest game is around 250. So. Oh, that's <laughs> not nowhere near what I've gotten for sure. I think maybe yeah. mine's like a 70 or so. <laughs> I just try, if they got speedometers on it, I just try to throw it as fast oh, as I can. Oh, me yes. too. Me like, that's too. really about it. Put the bumpers on and let it rip. <laughs> yep, absolutely. Yeah. You ever try to shark the bowling alley a little bit? Try to like go in there and be like, oh my gosh, like I don't know what I'm doing. And then you just go and bet, bet against some people. See, all of my college friends know that I bowl. But when I obviously go to bowl up here in Big Rapids, I don't have my balls. And the big thing is I don't have my shoes because mm. bowling alley shoes are awful because you're supposed to technically slide. Yeah. And so they're always so sticky. And so you always stick to the lane. And so whenever my friends beat me, it's a big ordeal. And I'm like, if I had my balls, I would beat you. So if I had I'm my just... equipment, it would be like be in the in the trenches. I guarantee it. I know. So so you know, started the year of the season in Lewis in the Superdome and stuff like that, as well as going down to Florida. What was that kind of like going all these different places and these different atmospheres to play, and then also just coming back uh, home a couple of weeks ago when it was super cold? Like, can you kind of talk about all those different atmospheres that you had to play in so far this season? Yeah, so the one big downside for me for softball is it is an outdoor sport. So the rescheduling, the cold weather, the rainy weather, we play in it, everything. So playing in the dome, we absolutely love because we don't have to wear 10 layers of like cold gear. Um, inside there, it's all turf. So the first two tournaments we did have for preseason were on turf. The first time we played on dirt was in Florida. So that was a bit of an adjustment, mainly for the infielders and then also for the outfielders who actually have grass. So the ball isn't going to be speeding down the line because it does pick up speed on turf. Yeah. So the grass does slow it down. So just kind of acclimating and adjusting to the different playing uh, surfaces. Yeah. Is that tough? Like, is there other like fields in the Gliac that are like all turf and like all dirt and like just natural? Like, what's that kind of like? Yeah, so we have a turf infield, grass outfield, which is really rare. Like, I have never seen it. And when coach said we were getting it, I was really surprised. Um, Davenport has a synthetic dirt, so it does drain a bit better than regular dirt um, with a turf outfield. Purdue Northwest has a fully turf uh, field, but there's different types of turf. Yeah. So they have a different type of turf than we do. So theirs is like less bouncy and their turf is actually flattened because it's been there a bit longer than ours. Yeah. Um, and then every other field in the conference is dirt infield, grass outfield. So it's a big mix. Adjusting yeah. like every game, every doubleheader, it's always a little bit different. Dang. Yeah, I, that, that's something I feel like a lot of people take for granted too. Just because you're going to play a game at a different field doesn't mean it's going to be just another road game. Like there's so much more adjusting to it for sure. But obviously, you guys have been on the on a little bit of a, a win streak here for a little bit, beating Grand Valley, of course, anchor down. Yes, <laughs> uh, Davenport and Purdue Northwest already this season. Talk about the the team's overall improvement so far this season, and hopefully more for the end of the season to come. So at the beginning of the year, obviously we play together, but we only play about six fall ball games. So actually having the like different competition is a bit different because you can hit off your pitchers however much you want, but it's always different seeing someone you don't know as much. So beating Grand Valley was a huge win for us. It was the first time in 10 years. So being a fifth year senior, I was like, 
heck yes, like this is great, like this is amazing. And everyone was on cloud nine. Um, and then the next day we went and played Davenport, which is also really good competition in the GLIAC. Um, and so we came out the first game and ended up mercying them with, in five innings. And so our team was just on cloud nine, it was amazing. And then actually this past Sunday, we did play Purdue, who was number two seed in the conference right now. And we actually took one game from them. We ended up splitting at home. And just like I said, the team was just focused and we were so competitive while still having fun um, because our team does compete better when having fun as I think almost every team does. But the main thing that determines how well we do is how we can string together our hits and our pitchers performance on the mound, which they have improved significantly, For sure. which is great. And Davenport and Grand Valley are coming to town uh, this weekend. Uh, what's that approach now going to be like, especially with it being Easter weekend? You know, you're going to kind of be traveling a lot more once the games are over, and especially two tough teams that are going to be coming uh, to Big Rapids. Yeah, so they're definitely tough competition, and I think both of those teams kind of have a chip on their shoulder. Um, us not being necessarily the best team in the GLIAC, it's kind of embarrassing for them t to honestly lose for us because we're the underdogs. Like, we yeah. aren't supposed to win. And so – I feel like they're going to come in and they're going to come in hard. So we kind of have like scouting reports on what type of pitches each uh, batter receives and like kind of scatter charts of where their hitters do hit the ball. Yeah. So that will help in our favor because we just played them two weeks ago. Um, so I think we're going to go in. We're going to be competitive because we want another win. Like yeah. we want to show them like it wasn't just a fluke. Um, so just going in and being competitive and having that spirit that we're going to go in and we're going to win. For sure. Absolutely. And those that follow the team know um, you especially are notorious for being able to hit bombs <laughs> on the field. What's giving Thanks. you so much power to hit, hit, hit so many home runs? I'm telling you, I don't know where that came from because I have, I think I had like five or six home runs last year. And this year, just my swing is just different and I'm hitting it over the fence and I'm not even knowing necessarily. I mean, it feels good when it comes off the bat, but there's nothing necessarily that I actually changed. I know this year I tended to work on more inside pitches, um, which in the previous years I did work on outside pitches. So honestly, the only time I hit home runs is when I'm not trying because whenever I try, I'd see there like a little ground ball or a fly out to the outfield. So honestly, all of my home runs have been like happy accidents, which it's nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So true, though. If yeah. you try to hit a home run, not gonna you never happen. will. No, never. Yeah. <laughs> Coach give you the green light on 3-0 ever? Um, so at the beginning of the season, yes. And then every time I have a 3-0, I kind of give him a look back since he's not at third base. And then he'll ever either like shake his head yes or no. And so typically I don't really get 3-0 counts um, this season. Yeah. I used to be the queen of like getting late into the counts all the time but I've been focusing on kind of attacking the ball early in the count since that's typically when you get your best pitches. But he either like shakes his head yes or no. It really depends on the day. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. And speaking of Coach Ian, it's a pretty interesting dynamic with the coaching staff with uh, Coach Ian and Kristen being married. Like what's that like for, you know, practices? They're kind of like, I don't know, like what's that relationship like with, uh, you know, with them being married and stuff like that? Yeah, so I think it's actually really good. Um, Miss Coach, we call him Miss Coach and Mr. Coach. Um, so Mrs. Coach tends to take over pitching and uh, defense. Yeah. And Mr. focuses on offense. So they actually don't really overlap too much. The only time that they really work together is when creating the lineup for the actual game, Yeah. Um, which is understandable, obviously. 
Um, but ultimately, they work well together and they understand how each other's function and like how they act for certain things because Mr. can get heated about certain things because yeah. he is going to stick up for his players. And so it's like good cop, bad cop. Like they kind of equal each other out. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously being over this team for such a long period of time now as you're a senior um, with a really young team dynamic this year, talk about the interaction with you've had with the, the underclassmen and being able to mentor them going into their upcoming years as a Bulldog. So every year we actually get a little sister. So I've had three little sisters so far. Um, the, my first year, I had a big sister. But ultimately, you just end up taking them under your wing. They are super enthusiastic. They absolutely are screaming their heads off in the dugout, which is super exciting to hear when you're up to bat around the field. Um, they put in a lot of hard work, and they actually have acclimated like super well from being away from home and your parents who, in high school, kind of help you out quite a bit. Yeah, so sure. they've actually done a really good job, and our team wouldn't be where we are because they actually also take a majority of our stats. So without them, we wouldn't necessarily have all of those records on other teams that we play this year. So, Dang. Who's your little sister this year? My little sister is Maddie Geekus. So she's the other outfielder. She's a sweetheart. That's right. really cool. Uh, for a staple in like all of college baseball and college softball players is the walk-up song. And you have a pretty solid walk-up song, I'm not going to lie. I was, yes. in the, I was in the press box. I was jamming to it. But what goes into it? Like, Do you kind of deviate much from it? Does it change year to year? Like, kind of What's the thought process of when you choose it? So this year was the first year that I actually kept my walk-up song. We're allowed to have two. So my freshman year was Jump by Van Halen. Oh, yeah. Solid, solid. So that one was my dad because I'm like, Dad, what am I supposed to pick? Like, had to be original. So <laughs> I did that. And my sophomore year, I chose um, Yellow Claw, Till It Hurts. Mm -hmm. Or no, it was DJ Turn It Up. And so it was kind of like a bass drop type of thing, which really got me pumped going into like that batter's box. Um, last year I had, oh my gosh, it's like a bass drop. It's a buzz by oh, Her I know Herlude or yeah, Hemelude. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I don't even know the artist. I just really like the song. Yep, I know we have that one on the laptop somewhere. <laughs> and then, so I decided to keep that one again, just because it's more of a pump up for game one. Yeah. And then for game two, I switched it up. They haven't played it yet, but it's Fantasy by Mariah Carey. Oh, interesting. Yes. So that one's kind of just a little feel good, walk up to the plate, kind of shut your stuff and give you a little confidence. Because if you feel good, you look, or if you feel good, you do good. So that was my thought behind that one. Absolutely. <laughs> Feel good, play good, yeah. Yeah, do you ever do your research and hear, like, if you hear somebody else's, you're like, oh, that's a good one. Have you ever thought about taking it? Or has it got to be original? It's got to be my own. Yeah, so there's this song by uh, country singer Cody Johnson. Mm -hmm. It's Thunder and Rain or Loud Thunder, Heavy Rain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I oh, absolutely loved it. Like, Oh, a GV player actually had it. And every time she came up to bat, I would look over to right field to Kylie Winkles and I'd start singing it and she'd get so embarrassed. <laughs> and so that's a little joke between us. Every time we're in the car going to practice or something, I'll turn it on and just kind of look at her. She's like, oh my gosh, like stop it. But we actually at Ferris started this two years ago where we get to pick one of the freshmen's walk-up songs. Oh, Are you more of like a prankster with that one or are you kind of make it so they can get hyped up? Yeah, so um, Abby Mitchell, who was a freshman last year, yeah. she's our left fielder for us. Um, I ended up kind of having a lot of input into hers. And so I ended up choosing the Little Einstein's theme song, but uh -huh. it was kind of like 
a remix so yeah. it had a little oh, like I remember that. I remember, it. yeah i was at a couple games last year and i heard that one i was like mm-hmm. it's an interesting choice Very yeah so this year uh maddie geekish hers is barbie girl um our pitcher christina Barr. she is very to herself she's kind of quiet and innocent as a freshman so we did a wild thing for her and oh, then yes. natalie teague she's one of our catchers for us and we ended up doing um oh gosh what did we do it's like freaky thing or freaky something. Mm-hmm. And then Brooklyn uh, Verbeck, she is one of our freshmen as well. She's also quiet. And so for her, we ended up doing um, Bad to the Bone. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. So, yeah, so, so it's funny, but it's just a little like mess with them type of thing, but kind of keep the spirits up. So I love that part. That's really yeah, funny. Yeah. For sure. That is really cool. But Paige, we appreciate you joining us for sure. We have one last question for you. We ask every athlete on the show, mm-hmm. what's your favorite thing about being a Ferris State Bulldog? So my favorite thing about Ferris, as I hear like a lot of athletes also say, is the close knit of everyone, all the athletes, all the faculty. We're all one giant team. I know we say 17 teams, one team together. Mm-hmm. Um, so I truly believe that um athletics has provided me with so many connections and so many like great opportunities for after college because no matter what they're gonna be like oh do you remember so and so off this team you're like yeah and so we always go and support one another and no matter what you're always going to have a friend and an athlete that's at ferris that's really cool. that's awesome that's really cool Paige. thank you so much for coming on thank we appreciate you. taking time out of your day good luck this week thank uh, you with grand valley and davenport coming to town but thanks again thanks guys Once again, big thanks to Paige for coming on the show. Got a busy week coming up with all the games that got on and Easter weekend. So that's going to be a great time for all of us. I uh, love to spend time with some family and the holiday as well. But we're going to hop into the Fair State Sports Report. We'll start out with softball. A pretty solid weekend, uh, as Paige mentioned. Split with Purdue Northwest. 4-1 uh, to one in the first game, but lost 12-4. to four. Didn't really get the bats going too well in the second game. But I think that's a good sign for these next two games coming up, Brandon, because Purdue Northwest is a pretty formidable team. Absolutely. Yeah, and being able to get one from them, as Paige mentioned in the interview, was huge for this team, and them being number two in the conference. And, I mean, especially being able to shut them down um, with a great pitching performance. I mean, holding them one run, five hits was absolutely huge in that game. Christy Gray was awesome. Six innings on the five hits, one earned, two strikeouts. Well, did really well. Defense played really well as well. Um, being able to be efficient, being able to get outs and get out of jams, absolutely huge in this game. But, I mean, the offense is starting to starting to find its stride a little bit, obviously not as consistent uh, as we would like it. Um, but, I mean, being able to put up at least four runs a game right now has been a, a big stretch for this team. I mean, especially being able to uh, hang 19 over a span of two games against GV and Davenport definitely can attest to that as well. But, I mean, overall, I mean, we're seeing a lot of great things from this team being able to step up and beat these better teams, the only thing that would get us to the middle of the pack to upper in the competition level in the conference would just be that consistency that Paige is talking about. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's the one thing that's going to be a good look for us this weekend is just if we can get that consistency, we got four games over the weekend to uh, be able to showcase that, which is really solid. And I think we're going to be seeing uh, a little bit better bats, I think, too, especially being able, I mean, last time we played Grand Valley and then that kind of that two-day like back-to-back of the second game against Grand Valley and then the first game against Davenport, bats were hot. You know, eight to three uh, against Grand Valley, the second game, and then eleven to three, and then even losing six to two. But like 
it still is a really solid effort to show that like against these good teams, against the good pitching, we can get the bats going, uh, which is going to be solid, especially seeing that we have the deepest field in the GLIAC. So I think that's going to be a little bit different uh, for some of these teams that are going to be coming here. They might be playing a little bit in. Uh, some of their outfielders might not be used to the deep part of it. I know Grand Value, I was talking to Paige off the interview or when we weren't on the air or whatever, but uh, she was saying like Grand Valley's of uh, field is like, I think someone like 200 or something like that. So it's uh. It's definitely going to be a lot different seeing that we have like a 220 to the corners. So it's going to be, I think that's going to be solid for us as well. And then not to mention just being home is a, is a good thing too. Yeah, being on your home turf definitely is an advantage. It gives you that confidence. It gives you, it just gives you the feels, right? And that's mm-hmm. something that every team can attest to across any sport whatsoever, whether it's a track meet, a basketball game, a football game, or a softball game. Everything at home just feels more natural and it just feels more right, you know? It just gives you that little bit of a little bit of juice that you can need in some of these games. So, I mean, a homestand for sure is going to be nothing but benefit for our team uh, coming up with some tough games. Obviously, Davenport Friday, April 15th at home, followed by Grand Valley coming on Saturday as well. We'll be playing Northwood next week, Wednesday, um, as well to round out the six-game homestand over the next six. So it's going to be good. I'm really looking forward to seeing the offense being able to uh, light it up because we know that they can do that. Um, and, I mean, our pitching has gotten a lot better. There's been some games we've gotten rocked for sure. Um, other, some teams just have their day. But, and, I mean, first you look at a lot of these these previous games, we've held teams in check for sure one game. And if we can get that to two, I mean, that's really what this what this team needs to start winning games because we're showing offensively we can compete with these teams and being able to get good approaches, being able to put the ball in play, get on base, steal some bags, and being able to get some runs. I mean, that's going to be crucial coming up in these weeks against teams that have shown that they can play very well defensively, but they can still match you with the bats. Exactly. For sure. I don't know. You said it all, so I didn't really have anything else to add <laughs> Mic drop. To. There you go. But obviously you can check all that stuff out on the website, FerrisStateBulldogs.com, under the softball tab, or you can watch on the live stream. Thanks, 9 and 10, and view it media as well. You can mm-hmm. check out all those games live. We got Rob chat. on the air now. Rob on the call on softball. Great. Uh, that was a great game I listened to uh, last week. That was great against Purdue. So we're really good, high-quality stuff from the athletic department for sure. And speaking of the athletic department, before we move over into uh, the rest of Fair State Sports Report, make sure if you're listening to this Tuesday or even tomorrow, Wednesday, we don't judge if you're a day behind that's fine uh donate day for dogs is coming up the biggest donation fundraising campaign of the year for the university and especially for the athletic department so if you want to donate to page and softball team you can do that or the track and field program which would be much appreciated for me you can do that or the (laughs) national champion football program the broadcasting team there's so many different places to donate every dollar counts go do that right now Obviously, we'll be making sure we put that on our social medias, retweets, likes, and whatever. Or you can follow along the first athletics pages as well because it'll be blowing up because money's going to be flowing in. And it's just even better to see everybody contributing back for all of the team's success so far. So I'm going to make sure you're going to have to donate. Uh, mm-hmm. I know Joe said he was going to put a dollar in. So, hey, say, yeah, I was check dollar. the old bank account, see how much of the old, the old funds I can put in there. Yeah, but we'll hey, see. A dollar's a dollar, right? That is true. A dollar, a dollar is a dollar. Every dollar up. counts. 
Yeah, absolutely. So anyway, moving on over now into we can go over to let's go over to golf for a little bit. Obviously, read my mind. I was just about to say golf. Men was in action over the weekend at the Bill Blazer Memorial in Canton, Ohio. Really good performances from this men's squad uh, overall. Nathan Kranick uh, ended up finishing third place in his individual as well as the team facing off. Um, in finishing in third as a team as well with a plus 14 score. Really, really solid performance, and we're seeing, once again, being able to chop down in the second round is has been huge for this team, being mm-hmm. able to make that moving day um, move um, with a lower score in the third round is definitely better because there was teams that outshot us. I mean, especially Davenport, Wayne State, um, both outshot us in round one, but being able to chop down in round two, get down to business, make a move, uh, was able to really not comparable five, six strokes on each team at least in these and being able to overlap them for third and finishing only behind Southern Indiana and our rival Grand Valley State. But still, great performances from the men overall. Nathan Kranick had a great overall bar- breakout tournament. And I mean, there was really all just across the board, fantastic performances. Mm-hmm. And even if you look at it too, I mean, Grand Valley, yeah, they finished in front of us, but we also topped Wayne State, Davenport, Northwood, Lake Superior State. So all these teams that are in, and and Wayne State is, or the Wayne State second team, I think it is, we topped all those teams that we're going to be seeing in just a few short weekends uh, with the GLIAC tournament. So for us to be able to show out that like, yeah, we can really compete with some of these teams and we're formidable against like uh, Grand Valley and stuff like that. You know, it's only a six-stroke difference, so that's just a bad day for one team and a good day for the other. So I think we're going to be really, really solid and in really good shape for this GLIAC tournament coming up, as well as uh, what's the last, what's the upcoming tournament again? It's not the the, is it the GLIAC? Yeah, GLIACs. This Never week. mind. One yeah. weekend. Yeah, it's game time. It's a real deal. Buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride, and just like you mentioned, how many teams we were ahead of already in that tournament. That mm-hmm. just shows that we're geared up, ready to go head-to-head against GV once again, just like last year, which is exactly what we want. Yeah. We're the one, part two. The one bad thing is is Katki has not opened, so you know they're still going to be on the Sims. I don't know if they're going to open up this week or whatever, so that's like the one downside. Uh, they're going to have to be able to find a way to be able to you know, get some practice in on this on the actual course. I mean, you have the practice holes on like, the range. I think the range is open, so you'll at least have that. But like when you don't have... Uh, the actual like grass on or like when you actually play on grass and stuff, it's a little bit different. So that's the one thing that you do kind of have to look out for, for this team. But Hey, we've played so far so good this season, uh, you know, placing really well and always improving each, uh, each time. So I think that's going to be one thing that you have to look out for, but is it going to be detrimental? I don't think so. Yeah. I mean, we've seen that they're, they've been able to play really well um, just off of straight, course preparation the day before and two days prior even going into these tournaments but women as well um, are currently in action at the Cav Classic for the women's version um, as the men competed a week earlier in that tournament at Walsh Um, right now they are competing today live if you're listening to this on Tuesday in round two round one right now sitting at a 327 overall team score that puts us 10th overall out of I believe 15 16 or 17 teams somewhere in there Um, but it was supposed to be a three round uh, a three-round tournament, but now I believe it is only going to be um, a two-round tournament. So that we will have 18 holes coming or, or later today. We'll find out uh, how much they move up because, I mean, we've seen it with them as well with the, the women's side. They're not afraid to be able to get on moving day, improve, and play 
spectacular golf in the later rounds of these tournaments. So I'm expecting them to move up. And right now we're in a great position to move up against some really good Gliant comp competitors as well. Uh, with um, I, mean, I think we had somewhere um, around the, the ninth or, or their 10th spot, I believe, if I remember correctly, is uh, Northwood. So they're within striking distance as well. Um, Saginaw Valley is ninth, actually. I apologize. Uh, Northwood and Wayne State JV are up a little bit higher in the tables in the top six, but still reachable because, I mean, within that, it's only, I believe, six strokes between 10th and 7th. And then it's also like just a couple more strokes to get in towards the top five. So it is doable. It is doable because I think with golf especially, you can just like you mentioned, Joe, you can have your good days and then you can sure have your bad days. Mm -hmm. You can kind of fall apart in a few holes. And I think that's the one thing. It's just the consistency uh, for the team that's got to be watching out for these postseason. But like I said, like we're we've been making constant improvement. I mean, we are going from fourth, to, and then we go from seventh, and then we go from uh you know tied second a couple of rounds, and then we go to third, and then we final third, and we got some really good golfers. I mean, Nathan Cranick is really coming into his stride. Thomas is coming off that number one or that first place seating at uh the Cav Classic as well. So I mean, we got guys who can really compete, and I think it's just coming in and being able to kind of have those blinders and those earmuffs on, so that way you're kind of in the moment and being able to kind of focus as well as not really kind of paying attention to what everybody else is doing. And I think that's going to be the key, especially seeing that's a three-day tournament. You got Friday, Saturday, Sunday. <laughs> so I sound like a Southerner Sunday. Uh, <laughs> Friday, Saturday, and Sunday uh, for these GLIAC championships. It's going to be a long weekend, but you know that's what golf is, and I think it's just. Three solid days of competition. You just got to stay consistent. Yeah, for sure. Golf's a really hard sport. Golf's you know a really hard sport. It's okay. really, you got to get out there and you I just got to hit Mr. Mackey instead. Yeah, it's like, have you ever heard the, or listened to the Robin Williams golf bit? Yeah. It's like, I whack a ball into a gopher <laughs> hole. <laughs> that is, every time I think of golf, I have to bring that up. But yeah, uh, definitely good. Yeah, for, for sure. R.I.P. Moment of silence. Okay, we're good. All right, but uh, definitely look out for the women's field. Uh, Lena Eldred sitting fifth right now, so she's in striking distance, potentially winning the tournament, which is always, awesome. always good awesome. to have somebody individually in competition as well as a lot of her teammates around her. We're looking to improve here on this Tuesday final round at the Cav Classic, but you can follow that all online, ferristatebulldogs.com. But anyway, moving on over, track and field was in action. We took a nice little trip to Bellarmine, Kentucky, now located near Louisville for a nice invitational. It was a really solid trip. Weather was not cooperative. We must have brought the Michigan weather. It was like 40 and windy and rainy the whole weekend, but that didn't stop us. We, we really put on some great performances. I think there was a lot of confidence going into the meet and especially leaving um, for a lot of the performances we were able to have overall. I mean, Brianna Copley won the shot put. Hannah Brock won the 5K. Uh, Claudia Wilkinson was runner-up in the high jump. I mean, just top five performances left and right, um, especially for a lot of debuts as well. I know uh, one of my teammates, Callie Delaney, made her first steeplechase appearance and did very well, finishing third overall in the race. Awesome to see that. Uh, Emma Stefan is well fourth in the hammer throw. Um, so really good to see a lot of these athletes making good jumps in their debuts on some of these new events going in outdoors because I mean, we did have a little bit of a of a, a bug going on. Um, I think that's just been with the weather. I think I have a lot of people have gotten sick over the last couple of weeks, and Mother Nature is certainly to blame for it. You can't tell me anything otherwise. But, I mean, good overall performances across the board, and we got a lot of uh, athletes being able to qualify for an elite meet coming up this weekend in Bucknell. 
um, Pennsylvania for a Division One showdown. So that's going to be even more fun. And confidence right now, it's getting pretty pretty high. I think everybody's starting to see the end of the tunnel. I know that I sure am um, with a lot of the performances we saw this weekend and a lot of good things that we saw. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it was definitely a fun. The thing, though, was when we when we got to the meet, like we were driving around, and Bellarmine, Bellarmine's like overall campus was really cool. Like I got to run around it a little bit. Very hilly, but it was very cool. But like, like just the whole like vibe of everything was just kind of like every single building was on a hill. It seemed like just overlooking a valley of some sort, yeah. and like there, and it was kind of weird because we were like driving kind of through the like. Uh, it was pretty much suburbia wherever we were at the moment of time in Louisville because we were tr- like the first time we were driving there we didn't know where it is and we're kind of like looking out the yeah we know kind of where it is but yeah. we had no idea it was just like we came out of this tunnel like of trees and a couple houses and then just boom it's like literally somebody just caught like literally chopped out carved into this hill their entire like athletic complex of like their softball baseball field their track and field um, which is not on their football field either which was very interesting but Campus was really unique, but I think the the weather was just terrible. Like literally, it was like fifty five, partly cloudy or sunny on Thursday yeah. when we were driving down there. Friday, forty five and raining by the end of the night uh, when everybody was competing. Saturday was like thirty five and windy. Like the wind was just nasty, and for a yeah. lot of a lot of the uh, the athletes that doubled too, it was just brutal going from those temps both days to. And then when we leave, yeah, 60 and sunny. Perfect. That's exactly <laughs> what we needed, right? That's what we came down here for, and we didn't get it overall. But still, really proud of the team, uh, really proud of a lot of their performances, a lot of the wins and being able to qualify uh, in, such, in a really good event overall. There was a lot of great successes to come, and obviously going to have a lot to look forward to this upcoming weekend. Yeah, I'm excited, too, to see what you guys do. You had some pretty sick pictures, not going to lie. Uh, we're, we're working on the media day stuff, you know. Yeah, we're, work, like, we're working on it. You run, dude. Look pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. Shout out to Kaylee Hugh if she's listening. Very solid, very solid photographs for sure. And just the ability to have the. I was going to bring my camera actually to take some video, um, to make another reel like I did an in indoor, um, but I was I looked at I looked at the weather and I was just like, well, I'm not gonna get my camera out if it's gonna be 45 and raining and stuff. So yeah, uh, I I wimped out of that, but. Uh, we did have some footage taken, so that was really cool overall. And it was a really good meet, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how next week goes especially. And I know we have some athletes as well competing in a local meet as well at Siena Heights, I believe, or, or later in the week um, for those not going to Bucknell. And uh, that meet, I'm actually pretty jealous because their meet's on Thursday, so they'll have a nice three-day uh, recovery period with Easter instead of being on a car ride back at like 3 in the morning on Sunday. So. But it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun nonetheless. So um, we'll be in action this weekend, and then we'll be back at Grand Valley the following weekend, Al Owens, uh, the Al Owens Classic. I thought it was Relays for some reason, even though I ran it like five times. But <laughs> uh, it's going to be fun for sure. But rounding out the Ferris State Sports Report, tennis was in action this weekend. Men were at home against Wisconsin-Eau Claire. Uh, solid 7 nothing sweep in the non-conference matchup Sunday. Um, solid performance, really now, I wouldn't really, like, say I expected less, uh, and certainly wouldn't, but I think there was a lot of things you could go into that weekend where, you know, it's a non-conference game, or it's a non-conference match. You, you you have, like, this breakup. You have a lot of these, a lot of the situation that you consider of, like, 
pulling some some people out just for rest and have had a long CLEAC schedule so far. But I mean, we kept a lot of we kept a lot of them in there. So like Matisse and Jan were in action. They got some wins. But I mean, this is a really tough Wisconsin Claire team. Like that, that they really were a tough team. They gave yeah, they us a lot 11, of fights. Eleven and four, or something like that. Yeah, they're a really good team. Doubles, they were they were really good. They fought us, I believe, to at least ten points in each game in the doubles. So um, in singles, we or singles, we definitely took care of business in that department. That was really really solid performances so but based off of what you could look outside on the schedule like this is kind of like you consider like a break week right yeah with going into it but they didn't and they they were dominant against a really good team and there was really like there was no there was no sign of relaxation like it was still attack mode we're in the top 25 now finally they got it right um just had to shout that out but now in a position down the stretch with all the momentum in the world all the people watching now, time to go. It's time to go. Let's see, let's sure. get another championship. Exactly. Excited for these Gleak championships. Let the world know what we're about and take another one home and, you know, see what happens. Yeah, I think it's going to be a great, a great conference tournament. I think there's a lot of teams that improved this year after we obviously talking to Josh McDermott. You can check that episode out in the feed below. Um, but there was a lot of great things that we've saw from this team overall as far as flexibility and ability to step up, especially on the women's side as well. Um, and I don't think they actually got to play this weekend now that I look back no, they at didn't. it. And that's a darn shame that they canceled that Eastern. I'm assuming they were trying to play outside, but of course Michigan weather had to screw mm-hmm. it all up. Of course, always happens like that. But um, they'll be in action at Northwood uh, next week, so that's going to be fun to look out for. Um, you can watch those live on the Ferris State tennis pages as well um, to get all that information and more. So, very good stuff. That's the Fair State Sports Report. When we come back, me and Joe will dissect the Frozen Four and the Masters Tournament when Tigers return. Don't leave anywhere. Over the past two years, this show has changed a lot. But one thing that has always stayed the same is our podcast platform and distributor. Anchor.fm is the one-stop shop to create, distribute, and monetize your podcast all for free. There's built-in uploading options and editing tools that you can make and create and publish your episodes with ease and have all sorts of exclusive options as well as sponsorships, subscriptions, and even monetized ads as well. You can have all the analytics, all the insights to make your show number one. So if you're thinking about making a podcast, look first at Anchor by Spotify. That's anchor.fm. And we return to the show after our little break in the middle of the show that we always do. But Frozen Four, National Championship of the NCAA Division One Hockey Championship. Denver versus Minnesota State. Thought our guys from the CCHA Minnesota State was going to be able to pull it out when they went up 1-0 early. But Denver just came out of nowhere with five unanswered goals to take the whole thing. Brandon, pretty solid game. Uh, Denver ends the season 32-9-1 and and takes the whole thing. So... Man, I wasn't really expecting it, to be honest. I thought Minnesota State was going to take the cake. I really thought they were playing a really solid hockey game, and especially the fact of, I believe it was only like 13 shots total on net for Denver going into the, the final period. I was just shocked of how it just flipped into script. But, I, I mean, really, I think the only thing you can say about that game, and I think Coach Mike Hastings said it best, just couldn't stop the bleeding. Once they yeah. had that power play goal, got it 2-1 then the 3-1 and then 
it's just the wheels fell off the wagon at that point. It was yeah. really tough to see. And I mean, we were so close, man. We were a period away from have beaten the national champions and that could have been something we could hang our hat on. But really, I mean, both teams, phenomenal programs. I mean, Denver obviously has all the, all the accolades that you would ask for yeah. in a hockey program. The NCHC is the the best conference in college hockey. Yes. Like you you got to say that because you could have made that conversation for Big Ten a couple years ago when like Michigan State was rolling, Michigan was rolling, Notre Dame had like Anders Lee and like the, that group and stuff. Mm-hmm. But NCHC, you got Denver, UMD, West Western Michigan, North Dakota, uh, everybody else that's a good hockey program yeah, pretty much <laughs> like it's 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 a crazy crazy amount how all those teams were able to get into the playoffs even though they were all playing against each other this whole year but yeah denver just as soon as they got like that when they pulled dryden mckay with like four or five minutes left i was like i don't know if that's the right idea because you're still only down three or you're only down two so you can get it like a lucky goal and then you know get back into it but when they pulled them i was like you're just adding like a you're adding a a spot where you can really just get out of the game. And as soon as they scored that, it was like, okay, nail in the coffin. That's the dagger. Like Minnesota State's not going to come back. And then they give up another one. It's just uh, you hate to see it, especially since Minnesota State has such a good record. Yeah, it's it's tough. Like Minnesota State, phenomenal team, physical, offensively, elite, defensively, lockdown. It's everything you'd want from a hockey program. And the, the simple thing that people don't, it's just it's Minnesota State, right? It's not Michigan. It's not Minnesota. It's not a lot of these teams that are more well known as far as the prominence of media ho- attention in hockey uh, at the Division One level. And I mean, Minnesota State definitely has shown how great of a hockey program they have been. And I mean, Coach Credit Hastings, or Credit Coach Hastings, excuse me, for all of that because certainly he has every right to claim those accomplishments for him. But I mean, you look at what they did this year, and it was fantastic. I mean, you had, obviously, getting to the national title game was always something that you hang your hat on. I mean, you had an Olympian um, with Nathan Smith when he was pulled um, overall from the season to compete at the national level. I mean, you mentioned Joe off-air, the Hobie Baker winner, and Dryden McKay, whose kryptonite yeah. will always reign, and Engelglaben. Um, but, I mean, it was still, I, I just, it was just tough to see that, that team just kind of crumble in that fashion late in the third period yeah. and and to be honest like being transparent i felt bad for him because we'd kind of we'd kind of experienced that in some ferris games this year where we had it we were dominating the game and just third period slip up was really what what just cost us the w in the column so it was a tough situation for them i mean they still had a fantastic season and I mean, there was a lot of things that could have went better. I mean, you you'd think about how they they attacked the power play, Denver at least. And I mean, there was some lackadaisical things that you saw from Minnesota State, like they kind of took their foot off the gas a little bit. I'm not saying they were being too conservative or anything, uh, but you definitely see a lot of those things that, oh wow, that's not something they normally do, or yeah. a deflection and wide open in front of an empty net, an empty net to make it a three score game. Is something that you just don't see, you didn't see from that team. They just did it so just all around everything solid as a rock. When it comes to dumps, line changes, offensive to defensive transition across the ice, back, just phenomenal team. And I mean, I'll give credit to Denver. I, I think they're they showed that they overall just I think they it almost looked like they wanted it a little bit more, which is crazy, especially in the third period. 
But it just also shows you how much of a momentum sport hockey can be because I think that sport, for how low scoring it can be, people kind of graze over that fact. Yeah, and I think that's the thing, especially momentum, is like just because there's momentum doesn't mean there's going to be goals. I think it's also like you have the momentum, you're going to be able to control a lot better. And you can have, especially like Dryden McCain stuff, like with us, like you have, we had the momentum, like when Ferris beat them in like the first game of the weekend or whatever, like we had the momentum because like we were able to get some sort of control and we were able to score. And I think when we have that Minnesota state is just, you know, that team was just like scrambling to be able to come back and try to get back to a tie game. And when you have a team scrambling like that, and especially when Denver had Minnesota state scrambling when it was two, one and three, one, like that's when, you know, you're in the driver's seat because you're not really frantically moving the puck around. You're not trying to force shots or anything like that. And when Minnesota state was taking shots that were, you know, uh, you know, kind of in traffic and stuff like that, trying to make it squeeze through, not really getting too many good screenshots on the goalie. There's just, like I said, like a lot of force and a lot of hurried shots then, you know, you're not really going to get too many past Denver, especially with how good their goalie was playing. It was absolutely ridiculous by how he was just a stone wall, which was crazy, uh, especially seeing like, Magnus Krona, the guy from what was yes. it, from Sweden he was or whatever. He was really good. Uh, 27 saves and one goal allowed like against one of the best high-scoring offenses in the country. Wow. Like, that's insane. Yeah. And for Denver to come in and be able to do that and, you know, Especially like the neutral site and stuff, like Denver going half or all the way across the country, I think that kind of attests for how much resiliency and how much adversity they had to face. Yeah, I think you have to give a lot of credit to this Denver team, and I mean, obviously, they got here based off of being able to score, and they certainly did that. I mean, they're one of the top four teams offensively in the entire country, and they were able to capitalize that on the third period, and I mean, in reality... It's it just has like this whole national championship game has a different vibe to it, you know? Yeah. Cuz you you look at what Minnesota State did and I'm sure you had to imagine that Mankato was probably bumping in that second period when that first goal went across and oh, they were yeah. up one nothing cuz defensively they had been so good. I mean, yeah, you mentioned they given up only one to Minnesota. I mean, that's a really good Minnesota team. That's an offensive powerhouse in Minnesota. Uh, and we've only seen them really get shut down a couple of times, and one of them had to be against the NHL-bound Michigan Wolverines, who Denver took down to get to yeah. this game. So just the quality of hockey that in the TD Garden over the weekend was just incredible to see. I believe what they said, 17,800 people at the Garden for that national championship game. Atmosphere was bumping, and it was certainly just a heartbreaker for Minnesota State Maverick fans and for Denver it's kind of that Cinderella miracle that you needed, and you got it with an exclamation point. Check that. Four exclamation points. And in reality, they're going to live on with the trophy, and people are going to mm-hmm. remember Minnesota State was that close, which scares me because, you know, they're going to come back with a vengeance in CCHA play this year. And it's, that looks scary. It's crazy how the top five, yeah, top five teams in the NCHC were in the playoffs for. The Frozen Four, you have Minnesota Duluth, Denver, North Dakota, Western Michigan, and St. Cloud State. That's insane for that. You have that good of a conference. And I think that's the one reason why I think they were able to go so far and play so well against like the teams that people thought they were going to lose to, like especially like Michigan, how they were able to roll them in Minnesota State. Like we didn't really, I mean, it was only Michigan Tech from the CCHA that made it too. So like that's like the, and like, there's a little bit of competition Minnesota State had to face throughout the regular season, but they didn't have to play anybody crazy. 
It's like every week Denver's playing for the national championship. That's how good these teams were. And I think all these teams could have been able to make it there. I mean, Western Michigan just had a fluke against Minnesota in the second round that made them get knocked out. And, I mean, for Michigan to put on a seventh spot on Quinnipiac and then get put down to two and then Denver to beat them, I think that just really shows that for a conference to have such depth is what's going to make it for a lot of the teams to be able to go far. Because when you have, you know, Three out of the four, three out of the five teams make it to the second round of your conference. That's just ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, they just the hockey prominence that we have in this region is something special. That a lot of it's 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 got to be. You, I mean, it kind of goes under the radar, of course, because I mean, the Big Ten always. I mean, basketball, football, it always has its well. But I mean, you look at like regions as far as elite competition. Like you look, I mean, obviously. Southern United States for football, Texas, Alabama, Arkansas, Georgia, Florida, for sure. And, I mean, when you look for hockey, it's really the Midwest and Northeast. I mean, that's really where the best teams play. And that's not just because Mother Nature gives the most resources to those teams. But I think you got to just take a moment to appreciate how great that tournament really was. Um, obviously, it wasn't as – I don't think it was as TV pleasure – um, as uh, attentive as you'd want it to be. I mean, I mean, both games were pretty much kind of not the most. I mean, you had a five-one game. I wasn't five-one. I believe Minnesota beat Michigan, or no, that would have been um, that would have been a different score than I'm thinking of. But what did you say? I uh, the score from the Minnesota Michigan game. Fi- uh, Minnesota Michigan or Western Michigan? Or wait, what am I even saying? Minnesota didn't play Michigan. They played. Wait, hold on. I messed up. That's wh- exactly. I don't even remember watch or like part of the tournament just because it was dull at that moment of time. But I mean, the just overall, like the tournament didn't seem as like visually appealing as it, it had in years past. But I mean, obviously, that can also be because yeah. I like, think there wasn't as many big teams in that title game that people know of. Like, yeah. Minnes- I mean, it Minnesota, was- I've, I feel like not a lot of people have ever heard of Minnesota State. And yeah. like Denver, I think, is not a huge school. So, like, if it was Michigan or something, then people have been like, oh, yeah, like, I yeah, know yeah, Michigan, yeah. Like, that's a big name school. But yeah. I think with hockey, it's like a lot of the big name schools that you hear, like, are not very well known because a lot of the big name schools like down south in the SEC and stuff, they're in like the ACHA D1 or something like that. It's like the lower level. So like for the for the big jump, like you don't really see a lot of these names. Like Alabama has a hockey team, but it's not in the it's not an NCAA D1. Like North Carolina has one. A lot of these teams have like an actual school hockey team, but they're not, you know, in the D1 side. So I think when you see that and you don't really have that recognition for a lot of those teams, I mean, unless you're a big 10 fan, then like, you're not really going to recognize a lot of the teams that are in this, you know, group and programs. Yeah, for sure. But a lot of great hockey played this weekend, still underappreciated, but Hey, maybe we'll change that over time. And maybe Ferris can do that next year mm-hmm. going to the Natty title game. I'm excited to see where, uh, it's, is Dryden McKay coming back? Is he graduated? Uh, he's been there a while, I think. Right? Or is he what only just Dryden McKay eligibility? I believe he might be a senior. I don't know if that's a COVID senior or just a senior though. Because... Uh, Dryden McKay is the winner of the 2022 Hobie Baker. I knew that. Yep. What year is he though? I. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure. I hmm, think he has weird. to be a. Something like that. Do we have like one of those? Either way, it's gonna be something else. I think he's I think he's a fifth year because he's been here for a while. 
if yeah. I remember correctly. I so. would assume that he's a fifth year, and I, I had the sheet around here, and that's why we had a pause and break. I was trying to find it with all the line charts for Minnesota and, State. Like all the other papers we have. Yeah, we have too many papers in the studio overall, and including like a, a D&D uh, scorecard, which is very interesting. I just found that the other day for a little Dungeons & Dragons, I guess, but... Uh, maybe you can you can check out that I guess. One I second, I'm pulling up the roster. About. Don't yeah. even worry about I it. I want to say that he's a senior though. I I uh, want to say he is a senior. Okay, um, but is that a fifth year senior? That's what I'm trying to figure so out. So he could come back. Like we already saw, um, Partillo is coming back for Michigan, right? I know he made that announcement. So elite goaltenders are hard to come by. So when you get them, you he's gotta, only you get them for five years. I think he's. I think he's. Got another year of eligibility because oh, he has the COVID no. year, right? Why? Because he's 2018 to 2019, 19 to 20, 20 to 21, 21 to 22, which was this year. Dryden McKay, if you're listening to this podcast, which I know there's no chance you are, but if you are, don't come go, to, go to the NHL, please, and leave us alone. We can't score anymore when you're in the net. Well, unless we're in Ingle Glaben, then, yeah, then there's we a can, chance. But that's about that's, it. Yeah, that's about it. But still, fantastic career. Um, for all those that were a part of this Frozen Four tournament, for sure. And it was a really solid tournament, nonetheless. But anyway, finishing out the show, transitioning to the Lynx. Masters weekend has concluded. And boy, was there a runaway favorite and a runaway winner. Scotty. What a tournament from Scotty Sheffler. This guy on fire. He's only, I think we're now. the best in all. He's got to be number one in the world Probably. It seems like now it's going to be a couple months. He probably could hold that. He's been killing it, man. He's won, I believe, the the number officially um, was he has won, I believe, four, the last four. Well, like, he won the Arnold Palmer Invitational. Yep. Uh, He didn't play super good in the players. Uh, He was like seventh in the Genesis. I don't know how he did in the Phoenix. He won the Phoenix, I think. Yeah. And then he won Farmers, didn't he? Yeah. Or he was no, he didn't win Farmers, but he won one before. But he's been like killing it with all these opens and yeah. like these majors because he's already he's been, has four wins in twenty two already. Yeah, he's got, he's, homie's only twenty five. Yeah, and he has. I know I saw this stat for sure, and I know I've memorized this one. I believe it was Bryson DeChambeau had won nine point three million in purse last year for how well he played. Yeah, Scotty's already at like ten four, and we're in April. It's ridiculous. This dude's going to have four mansions by the end of the time the season's over. He's been on an absolute tear. And, I mean, early on in the round, too, I mean, just being able to get out of some tough situations, I think, was really the key for him, yeah. especially going down the stretch in the back nine against Cameron Smith. Oh, that terrible 12th hole, man. That thing is just going to eat players breakfast for life. That hole really was the derailment. Mm-hmm. Of Cameron Smith's round, and it was it was just such a such a bummer because he was playing very solid. He was within striking distance, uh, and I mean he I mean he started off what was it birdie both one and no or hole two yeah, and it was only two shots. Yeah. He was two shots behind really going in. I think he was three by the time they got to the the back nine, and then the twelfth hole. I mean I believe he got I believe he triple bogeyed that one. I believe he got a, a six or a seven. Yeah, knocked him back to four four under after being seven under. And then Scotty ended up birding the next hole, getting it to 11. But what a round also. Scotty Scheffler deserves all the credit in the world. But what Rory McIlroy did I was, just, did about to, I was, was just about to say, McIlroy's, McIlroy's uh, performance was eclipsed by Scheffler's domination of it. McIlroy came out of nowhere in the final round. I think he was like minus three or minus four uh, on the third day. 
because uh, he played incredibly well. And then, like, it was kind of like, oh, McElroy's playing super good. Like, we'll see if he finishes in the top 10 or so. And then he comes in with a minus three performance on the last day. And if Scheffler wasn't ahead, didn't have such a lights-out performance on one, two, and th- or day one, two, and three, McElroy would have got his first major in, like, seven years yeah, or something like that. And he would have been a mass champion. I think... McElroy, a lot of people are saying that he's past his prime and stuff like that, but I think he's going to hit a second one here pretty soon. He was on like a little bit of a downturn for like these past couple years because, uh, you know, he had like that height of fame, was like near number one, and then he fell down a little bit. But I think now with this performance, he's going to solidify himself in a pretty solid spot. I'm not really – what's the next uh, What's the next tournament? Uh, I can't remember off the top of my head. I want to say – that PGA it would Tour. Be, would it be the PGA Championship? It's the RBC Heritage. Oh, Heritage. So I'm not That's sure right. if he's playing at that, but we got a couple more till the PGA Championship. We got five more. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we play got at RBC. I know, like that. That Heritage, course is be Mexico Championship, Wells Fargo Championship, AT and T Byron Nelson Championship, and then PGA Championship. Oh wow, I was like six off. <laughs> yeah, that just shows how much I pay attention to golf. Not as much as I yeah. should, but I was watching this weekend. You see his a uh, hole out. On the on the bunker, I and then more cows a whole lot on the same bunker. That was just nuts. That's literally the odds of one of those. One chip in, yeah. not alone I thought, two I thought on his, the same I hole. I thought he was going to be done after that one because that was a, just a bad hole in general. Because he went from bad drive to bunker to other side bunker, and then he holed it out to save par. And I was like, geez. And then more cow holes out. I'm like, geez, that's yeah. even more crazier. Just absolutely fun. Sunday was insane. Sunday was just incredible. I mean, For Rory's sure. eight under sixty four to end up getting second place was just phenomenal. It was secured a probably a cool one point eight mil. Yeah, it's just crazy. Yeah, I saw this I saw this tweet when I was looking up some of the information about uh, overall from the tournament and it was from it's Mark Harris is the the handle. He said Cam Smith, birdies 11, one of just a few all week to keep within striking distance of Scott Scheffler. Steps to the 12 tee, feeling it, and is ready to pounce. Walks off the green with a triple and six shots back. Do you know how long of time that was in between? 15 mm. minutes. What a game. Jeez. 15 minutes, you were within two strokes, and then your, your tournament's over. Just on one hole. It's just, crazy. Just insane. But I think one of the biggest things, too, was like we saw a lot of top-name guys struggled at Augusta National this weekend. Yeah, I mean, there was not. There was a ton. Kepka, there was a lot of guys who did not play super good. Oost Hazen got knocked out right off the start. Yeah. Taylor Gooch was playing pretty solid the first couple of days. He was in the leaderboards, then he kind of fell apart near the end, at, finished that plus two. Uh, Matsuyama didn't play super great. He was plus two to finish that one. Uh, Rom, who I thought was going to play good. I thought Rom was He had a little bit solid. of a fall apart there. Not the greatest. Webb Simpson uh, didn't play super great. Uh, I'm trying to find other ones. Kisner looked pretty good when he was playing uh, in the first couple of days when he made the cut, but then when he played with Tiger, he had a few little mishaps that uh, brought him to plus nine. But he still secured a pretty solid bag. Uh, you know, it's top 50 who would get paid out at the end. So uh, a lot of these guys making money. Yeah. It's crazy. I, yeah, His first sure. place made 2.7. So Scotty made 2.7 million. McElroy made 1.6. <laughs> uh, and then we had a tie for third. So I think Lowry and Smith split what third and fourth is combined, I think. Is and that they how split it works? That in, I think so. So that they'd split 1.7, right. which would be about, I don't know, what is that? Math majors out there? Uh, 8.5 or so, 8.5 or 850,000. Oh, yeah. I just did I did 17 divided by like, uh, divided by two, and so I just, yeah. 
<laughs> so 1.7, yep. which would be 17, yeah. divided by 2 between 2 people, which would be 8.5. So 850,000. Yeah. So about 850,000. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Crazy stuff. And then Morikawa locked up 600 grand. So yep. probably more money than I'll ever make in a year. He made in a quick little weekend. Yep. So. Just a weekend of golf. Yeah. Which, right. yeah, easy I enough. mean, if you're gonna if you're gonna place, might as well place at this Masters being the highest purse that is gonna pay out eleven point five. Yeah, so. uh, the purse I feel like is gonna go nothing but up now that we got yeah. so much going into advertising and media now yeah. in this days of sport, and it's not and it's not going down anytime here's a, soon. Here's a little debate question: Is do you think Nike Golf is wasting Tiger right now? What do you mean by wasting? So, right, I had this conversation with my uh, brother. It's like what they could do with marketing with Tiger Woods right now, especially with him being back in the Masters, what they missed out on. They could have released so much throwback stuff, and they could have – I feel like they, especially at the height of his, like, uh, like the height of his fame, they did not really utilize him that well because they could have made so much money. Tiger's gone to foot joy now. He doesn't wear Nike shoes anymore, and he's kind of – eased back from like the nike stuff and all that like he seems like more of like an old golfer and i think they really wasted the potential that he had because yeah like during his prime they like kind of built it up with like commercials and stuff but like they could have done so much more with like signature stuff but i don't know i had that conversation with my brother and i just thought they were like could have done a lot more with tiger especially for this weekend yeah i i can see that point i think the word that comes or the 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 concept that comes to my mind when it comes to Tiger and uh, to Nike was just they didn't cherish the time they had together. Yeah, I, don't I think, think so was either. really the biggest part of it. They weren't able to capitalize on a lot of things, and obviously that mutual relationship um, we'll hear about for a time to come too. Um, how that all went out because I'm sure somebody's gonna ask like later in your career why'd you go to Footjoy? Like yeah. you were with Nike your whole career, dude. The guy that's winning the tournament is wearing your shoes. You're wearing yeah. your Nike your Nike golf shoes. But I I mean obviously where Tiger is now too, I feel like he knows he's in a different place. So that yeah. change definitely would have came across, especially I mean just the fact that you compete at this tournament was just mesmerizing inspirational yeah. i think they'll probably like do a special release or something like if they want to do like a throwback because when he first won the masters he was wearing like those golf shoes that kind of looked like the foam uh not the foam posits but uh they had like a little bit like a zipper look to it mm-hmm. like they kind of look like some a pair of jordans yeah they did a re-release of that kind of like what jordan does like if they like may if like they kind of released some of tiger's like uh golf shoes that he wore and like kind of like the throwback kind of like what jordan ones twos threes and stuff like that they can make so much money yeah, they could. I think there's a lot of opportunity there, and I think we'll, it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. Because I know we're gonna get, we're gonna get a tiger documentary. We're gonna get the insights yeah, to everything. We'll get thirty thirties. We'll get everything. Yeah, it'll it'll certainly be it certainly be fun. But there's gonna be a lot of great. I think there's gonna be a lot of great films that are coming out. Obviously, we'll get. I mean, we might get TB12's documentary when he retires, depending on whatever that is. But we'll have also we'll have guys like Tiger Woods that we'll we'll see the inside scoop of. We're getting Derek Jeter, the captain, is coming out sometime soon, um, for his story. So it's gonna be fun. I'm really looking forward to seeing all of those. But I mean, I'm a 30 for 30 enthusiast, so like I'll watch 30, I'll watch too. all of them over and over and over again for sure but those fans out there that listen to our show over and over we appreciate you and being able to listen to this episode we thank you so much for making us a part of your day and we hope that we didn't disappoint too poorly you know 
we hope to put out some pretty solid content. Yeah, we try. We, we try our best out we here. We give it a try. Not going to lie, though, the last couple of weeks have been tough. We're getting towards the end of the semester, and we appreciate everybody that's hung on with us because, obviously, exam week getting tough. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of things going to be happening on campus. I know that we're going to be organizing. Obviously, we got the next week Special Olympics heart and heart to heart, hand in hand inter- intramural. It's like a it's like unified a special, basketball, special game. basketball. It's game. a really sweet event, but we got all that stuff yeah. that we're also doing as well. Um, and there's just a lot going to be going on, and yep. we appreciate you guys. And before we head out, Brandon. Securing an internship for the summer. Awesome job. And Joey got an internship. I know. I got an internship, Woo, too. Doggy. Before we head out, want to say what it is? Oh, I guess we can. I mean, it's it's important, I would feel like. Yeah, it's yeah. a sick thing, dude. It's awesome. It is a sick thing. So, I guess I'll start. I've officially signed an internship with Big Rapids Media. So, I will be working with them um, over the radio stations, being able to audio produce as well as produce a new podcast. So, a short hint, hint. For those that are going to be able to hear this, you are the true fans, and you guys are going to get the scoop today. Oh, for sure. So, you just have to follow all the episodes to listen in and get this stuff. But I'll be making, I, I'll be producing a local sports podcast. You'll have to wait and hear the details on that later as well as making some live radio appearances and being able to do audio technician work. It's going to be a great summer, and I'm really excited for that. But I'll be honest, Joe, probably not as cool as yours, my friend. So for me, everybody, if you haven't heard, I guess, because I never said it before, I'll be working with a Hurricane Junior Golf Tour down in Orlando, Florida for the summer. I'll be a video production and digital marketing intern working with their social media as well as uh, creating content for the tournaments coming up uh, that they have, as well as writing reports and all that. So I'll just be everywhere doing a whole bunch of stuff uh, all throughout probably the lower southeast of the USA, which will be a blast. I get to play golf for free. It's going to be an awesome, jo- awesome job, and I'm really excited for it. But excited for you too, Brand. It's going to be a blast. Summer's going to be full of experiences, and it's going to be a good time. It's going to be a great time, and I want the fans out there to know that you guys helped us get there as well. This podcast, I know, was a huge reason why that I am getting the opportunity that I am now for being able to have that this experience before. And I think that's super, super amazing to me. And I truly appreciate all of you guys for being able to listen into all of our episodes, regardless how up energy we've been and how debating of we've been before and or times like this where it's a dog days and sometimes it can be tough and you guys have not left us. And we really appreciate that. So it's going to be a, it's going to be an adventure and you guys have really made it a part of it. So I thank Absolutely. you so much, but it's going to be great, but we'll be back with more content here soon. We're going to finish out the week and until next time. Take care, everybody.